everybody to quid prog quo the musical podcast where i introduce my friends loved ones and i guess co-workers for this second season to progressive rock music and they in turn get me to listen to well whatever they want and on this episode we actually have a very interesting kind of set of conversations that uh, i'm pretty excited for you guys to listen to uh we have as a guest um Roy, uh, and Roy is um, kind of contributor for the Prague um, Report. Uh, I've uh, been featured on their YouTube channel a couple of times, um, talking about Prague and Prague-related projects, and... Um, yeah, so I kind of figured, you know, quid pro quo, scratch my back, you scratch, um, I'll scratch yours. Uh, so Roy is going to be uh, joining us today. Um, now, this was interesting. This is going to be an interesting one because we're both pretty big prog heads. And, you know, this whole podcast thing is about introducing progressive rock to those who don't have a whole lot of experience with. But both Roy and I have a pretty substantial <laughs> exposure to progressive rock. So this time we decided to kind of expose one another to uh, non-prog projects uh, to varying degrees of success. I'm pretty excited for you guys to actually listen to this one and dive in. Um, just a quick, you know, reminder, this podcast is back, you know, very excited to be back, but we're only going to be uploading once a month. So you'll notice that this is like the one of only a few that are coming up this year, but, you know, glad to be back. Just have to kind of set expectations. Don't expect one every week or every other week like we did with season one. Yeah, season two is a little bit more laid back, a little bit more um, just kind of chill in that sense. Um, and I want to thank... Uh, Everybody that has been involved in this so far, um, I want to thank Explosive Ear Candy with their track All Together Now, which is the soundtrack to this podcast. Um, and I want to thank the artist uh, that provided our amazing graphic, uh, whose name has actually escaped me. I want to say it was Sakina. Um, I'll do a little bit of research at the halfway mark and uh, let you guys know about that. Anyway, I've yammered on for well too long now. Let's dive into this week's episode and I hope you enjoy. We'll catch you at the uh, midway point. Thank you for coming on. Uh, really, really glad to have you on. Um, Roy, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure, man. Good to be here. Um, uh, Roy Avon. Um, I run a site called The Prog Report um, and uh, do some other music things in the, in the business. I've been in this business for way too long. And, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, But, you know, I love, uh, love this music, love getting to talk about it. Um, I also do I've, some other things. I've written for Prague Magazine. I, I put out a book a couple of years ago on modern Prague, and and uh, and I 
co-emceed the uh, Cruise to the Edge, the the Prague Ooh. Rock Cruise as well. Yeah, uh, one of these days driving. I have to find my way on there. You I really I, do. It's, it's yeah. a blast, man. So we missed the last two years. Yeah. And, uh, um, it's supposed to be back uh, this May. Yeah. Um, Knock on wood. Looks, uh, looks like it's happening. So all, all fingers crossed. But yeah, oh, excited excellent. about that. Excellent. Yeah, I'm really looking. That's one of my bucket lists. That's one of the things that I really want to do is... Uh, yeah get to that cruise to the edge because uh, every like every scrap of recording that i can find from that show or that that weekend or that week is always phenomenal um, yeah it's a great time i mean it really is and and uh aside from the shows i mean there's 10 20 a day for five days every yeah. every band that you could imagine um, but then, you know, you get to hang out with these musicians. They're, mm -hmm. they're at the buffet line getting food with you <laughs> and, you know, think crazy stuff like that. So it's a trip. That's, that's, uh, yeah, I, there's no words. I have to do it one of these days. Uh, but transitioning more towards uh, this podcast proper, I'm excited because the MO for this podcast has always been introducing progressive rock to those who haven't really listened to it or they like know genesis from the 80s but nothing really else um right. so i'm always excited when i can get somebody that's in more of the culture in more of the the lingos um because i always like to hear i don't even know if i want to say like similar thoughts that i have right. but um yeah, it lets me play around with the format a little bit more. And I think it'll also uh, have a little bit more of an in-depth conversation rather than just first impressions of this new genre. So my thought was to bring uh, music that may not even be prog into oh, this. Oh, yes, so please. I... <laughs> <laughs> so, that is that is the whole the whole other half of this thing. I, the way I figure, you and I know all the same bands mm -hmm. most likely. Yeah. Um, and from what I've seen, our t our tastes cross over at points. I mean, there's some mm -hmm. things I've I've realized maybe you don't like as much as I do, but generally we're in line. Yeah. Um. So I doubt I could throw you know <laughs> some Neil Morris configuration at you that right. you don't know, right? Right. So, right. I, I figured I, I had a bunch of different ones that I thought might be a little out of the box, but we'll see. Yeah. I was kind of left in the same box. I'm like, I want to give you something that you haven't heard before, but um, I'm not quite sure what you wouldn't have already heard within the prog sphere. So I was kind of left with two options, something that was so obscure that the chances of you listening to it are pretty low or something that's completely out of prog entirely. So right. I'm going to, I've got two albums in mind. I'm going to feel it out to see which one I want to give to you. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's first figure out what, what you have given to me. What album did you land on? Um, so a few uh, bands that were in my mind. Um, am, am I correct? Are you, you're in Canada? I am. Yes. There's a Canadian band that I'm, I love a lot. Um, a little bit more straightforward rock, a little bit, but they've always hinted at prog elements here and there, which is why I find them so interesting, and I love them. One of my favorite bands, and it's a band called Big Wreck, which you may know. Oh, I don't know if I know about Big Wreck. And they're a they're a Canadian band, uh, from my understanding. They do well up in Canada. Okay, have won Juno awards and things yep. like that, and yep. I, I don't know, but. Um, so I, that was one idea that I thought about, but then I thought, well, maybe he knows them or not, or right. I don't know that you're into more straightforward rock kind of that. I, 
I don't get that vibe from. Yeah, that's that's how I was kind of raised. Like my dad was really into the straightforward rock and it just happened that progressive rock was in that. uh, And that's where I really took off for that. Um, And I mean, up here in Canada, it's almost like it's a literal law where a certain percentage of music on the radio has to be Canadian. So right. I know that. Yeah. 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 So chances are I probably have heard of Big Rack, but I probably haven't like put the name to the sound. Yeah. So uh, real quick about them, not to go into too much detail, but they toured with Dream Theater on the Falling Into Infinity tour, which is hundred years ago. But that's I was going to say I, they're, they're that's how old. I discovered them. Okay, so there's the sort of mini prog tie-in. Okay. Um, uh, the other one that I thought, which I always bring up a lot, and I get kidded about on our podcast <laughs> that we do, is Jellyfish. Oh yes. Um, but I thought you're probably familiar with them. Them I do know. Yes, I do okay. know Jellyfish. Uh, so being that it's an album, uh, that I'm into right now a lot and, uh, a band that for a period was really one of my favorite bands. And then, you know, when a band doesn't put an album out for 20 years, it sort of just becomes a band you check in with once in a while, but it's a band that's just returned with a brand new album. Um, it's done amazingly well out of the box, publicity everywhere, top 10 billboard debut and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's the new tears for fears record. Oh, um, and I know you've been trying to get point. me to listen to this too. So I'm going to go with that. Okay. And, uh, to me, they're one of the most unique, uh, interesting bands around ever in that they absolutely are a pop band, mm-hmm. but they're one of the most intelligent, interesting pop bands that you could find that has a lot of actual hits. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I like their stuff post the big album, Songs from the Big Chair, although I love those songs too. But after that, they did a bunch of records um, and then they split off and, and the main guy, Roland Orzabal, kept the band going, did, did a couple more albums. Just really amazing, just awesome stuff that for a long time was was up there with all my favorite stuff. Um, hmm. And uh, and like I said, so they didn't do an album. Uh, the last time they did was in 2004, I think. Okay. Where they reunited. Yeah. They actually reunited in 2004. The press, <laughs> as it's going around right now, would make you think the new album is the reunite, uh, you know, reunion. But right. Uh, nevertheless, they didn't do an album for 17, 18 years, and oh. um, so the new one has come out. It's called The Tipping Point, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's brilliant. I, you know, I'm not going to sell you on that it's a prog record, right? But being someone that know is knowledgeable about music, like I think you are, um, mm-hmm. I think you'll hear how it stands out from, you know, pop. It's way too smart and way too intricate in its four minute songs. Mm -hmm. And the production is amazing. And I just love everything about it. It's right now my favorite album of the year. Oh, all right. I'll definitely, I am, you've, I don't want to say you've sold me on it, but you've piqued me at my interest. Um, And it is interesting. Um, Like my musical uh, I guess experience starts in, and this isn't like direct experience, but at least for me, it starts in the sixties, goes into the seventies, and then it just leapfrogs right into the two thousands. So it's like a lot of the music that came out from the eighties and nineties, unless it's Marillion, IQ or Spock's Beard or the Flower Kings, it never really registered on my radar. So a lot of like the new wave stuff just, and I think part of that is like, a lot of my influences for music came from my dad, who was a child of the 60s and 70s, um, you know, 
Um, and so once he got into the eighties, he was just like, well, I'm just going to keep listening to the stuff from the sixties and seventies, uh, and not really listen to anything new coming out because it all doesn't sound like the stuff from the, uh, well, which... yeah, I mean, I, I can relate to that. I mean, I was born obviously, uh, after all the big, you know, close to the edge and uh, mm -hmm. Foxtrot and all that stuff, but, um, discovered that stuff, you know, obviously later growing up. But in but actually I'm different than you a little bit in the eighties thing, whereas I liked a lot of the stuff that was coming out then. And and when I had this realization actually recently, when you look back now on a lot of the bands that were out in the eighties, um, a lot of the bands then bands like Level Forty Two or Mr. Mister or Cutting Crew or all these bands that had like these couple of hits that are just things you hear all the time throughout your life, you know? Mm -hmm. Um they're made up of musicians that in today's world, they're in Prague. Mm -hmm. they, they, they're all, you know, the drummer for, for King Crimson, Pat Maslata was in Mr. Yeah. Mister. And, <laughs> you know, the drummer for Life Signs was in the Cutting Crew. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, all this kind of stuff. And so, and then you go back and listen to those records and pop, well, they are, but the musicianship is amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, all like the drumming and the bass lines and the guitar playing and everything. So they're not doing 20 minute songs with epic solos and all that kind of stuff, but right. it's really good music. Yeah. And so I liked a lot of that stuff and I still do. Um, and one of my favorite bands growing up and it, one of my favorite bands to this day is still Def Leppard, who I yeah. stand by as being a really good <laughs> actual band. Absolutely. Um, so uh, I love listening to stuff that's rock outside of, um prog and in the 80s and 90s when there was no real good prog to be found that's where i found myself until mm -hmm. i discovered dream theater yeah that yeah. changed everything mm -hmm. you know and then but then there was another lull again for a few years until i discovered spock's beard yeah mid, not, mid to end 90s when i discovered spock's beard which led to transatlantic which led to you know porcupine tree which led to you know yeah. then it started to become like okay we have something to work with here mm -hmm. um I, but I would say 80s to early 90s, that, that was trying to look for good music. Yeah. I mean, whatever <laughs> that would be. Whatever. Yeah, because so. you you had to look at other genres. You had to look at other things because nobody was touting the prog banner at that point. So I mean, Asia. Yeah. I liked Asia. You know, just, I, I love the first two Asia albums, you know, yep. they're still great all about those. Um, um, not prog, but still great. You know, all that. So, yeah, you know. absolutely. Um, so I think you've basically solidified my, my choice then for you. Cause I had two albums. The first was an album that came out in 2020 that I feel like it was my favorite album of that year. Um, and I felt like it just didn't quite get the same recognition. Uh, so I'm going to at least promote it because I want as many people to listen to it as possible. Uh, it's from a small band called Zio. Uh, okay. Z-I-O. Um, yeah, that I don't know. No. Yeah. So the, do you know the band Karnataka? I think yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. The drummer from Karnataka created this uh, side project and then just got a whole bunch of his friends to come on in and help him out, flush out this album. So he has like Heather Finley on it. Uh, he has the other lead singer from Karnataka on it. Uh, and it's great. Um, very bright and colorful in terms of music styles. Um, and I just wish that it got a little bit more recognition because I, I don't think it made quite the big, a, a big enough splash in there. Um, okay. But cool. The album that I want to give to you is very similar in that it is outside of the prog sphere, 
Um, it's from uh, an artist that I know so many of my like. Oh wait, so we're not doing the Zio. We're not doing the Zio. Okay. No, I really wanted to. Maybe we will. Maybe we. All will. right. Let's see. Um, I'll let you choose. How's this? I'll give you two options, and you can choose. Because uh, the other one comes from pop. Um, it comes from an artist that I love. Uh, and if you haven't figured it out by now, I'm wearing her shirt. It's Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I, I've seen your fascination. I've, I, uh... Yeah, I know a lot of people don't quite understand it. But when you live your life, this is how I equate it. When you live your life eating spicy food, eventually it doesn't become spicy anymore. So you have to spend some time eating some ice cream in order to cleanse the palate so you can get back into the spicy food and remember, oh, yeah, this is why I love it. Um, and eventually you just acquire the taste for ice cream and you just also uh, equally love it. And that's kind of why I love Taylor Swift so much. She's so on the other side of the musical sphere than progressive rock is that oh, yeah. um, it's very light. It's very fluffy. Um, the album that I am going to, or perhaps have you listen to is her, um, one of like most of her albums at least have some kind of a concept and this would be the most realized concept of reputation because it all falls around how her reputation precedes her as a person and kind of like the difference between Taylor Swift as the idea that people have in her head, whether it's uh, the media, whether it's other artists and the actual person behind it and how that's affected her and like, when does the mask become the person? Um, and it's got some, in my mind, really interesting playing of genres because it has moments of hip hop and rap on it. There's a lot of electronica on it. There's moments that almost feel metal at times, but. So I think I know the hit from that. There's a few hits from that. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing is with Taylor Swift is even being someone who never deliberately puts on her music, mm -hmm. you know, she's one of those people where you just you, know the songs because you, just you hear exist it. on earth. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So. Um, yeah. The big song from that one, I believe is, um, well, there's look what you made me do. And that, yeah, that one and yeah. bad blood. Uh, those were her two. Okay. I've ones. heard that one. Yep. Uh, I'm just going to actually um, see It's funny that you ones. picked that album, though, because when you were saying Taylor Swift, I thought for sure you'd go with one of the last two, which everybody that that knows I like Prague, that, that likes her, mm -hmm. says you would like this because it's her progressive albums, you know, like, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I always felt like those two albums, and I love those two albums, Folklore and um, Evermore. Uh, right. both are like, they're very stripped down. They're very like singer songwriter first. Um, there's not a whole lot of production, but what's there is brilliant. Um, and it feels much more like an intimate album where reputation is probably the exact opposite. It's very produced. There's a lot of sound going on. Um, and, uh, it's honestly probably one of my favorite albums from her. Okay. You know what? In keeping with the pop uh, <laughs> trend of this episode, I'll do the Taylor Swift and just, okay. you know, what the, what the hell? Yeah. But I, I'll, I'll 
check out that Zio band anyway separately because mm-hmm. that sounds interesting. And, and then I'll send you some big rec to check out. So it'll be a okay. twofer. It'll be a twofer. I like this. Yeah, because yeah, I knew one way or another you would hear Zio if I just recommended it to you. I'd have a feeling you'd go and listen to it. So at least we're we're justified in hearing one another's um, one another's second choices as well. I, you know, I'll say uh, with Taylor Swift. I mean. I respect her as a musician. You know, mm-hmm. I think she's I think she's great. And I and there's been the occasional songs that, you know, I think are good. Mm-hmm. Um it's a little too I don't know, maybe to to an average person they might listen to Tears for Fears and Taylor Swift and go, I don't see the difference. <laughs> yeah. I, I I absolutely see a difference. I don't, for sure. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. To me Tears for Fears is kind of edgier and darker. In, okay. in its pop. Okay. Um, well, so I can sort of deal with it. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, you will have some fun with Reputation because this is probably her edgiest and darkest album. Okay. Um, which is, again, part of the reason why I chose it because it, well, and we'll talk about this once you've heard it, um, just how realized the concept was of this album. All right. Sounds good, man. Perfect. I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> All right. I know Bye. the future's on our side. And with that, Roy and myself go into our own listening chambers. I'm listening to Tears for Fears, and he's listening to some good Taylor Swift. Uh, I'm really excited to kind of hear our conversation again. Um, yeah, as I had noted in the episode proper, I've never really been a big fan of Tears for Fears, and it's not because I don't like their music, it's just I've never really been exposed to them outside of the big hits that they've put out. And I know last year, Tears for Fears, you know, they, they made a pretty big splash with this comeback album, and I'm really excited to hear what Roy has to say about Reputation from Taylor Swift, probably one of my favorite um, Taylor Swift albums. It's one that really has grown with me. Um So yeah, I hope you guys are enjoying this one. I hope you guys are enjoying yourselves back. Um, I did a little bit of recon information to try to figure out uh, the artist of our beautiful, beautiful icon and artwork, and that is from Liana Osinski. So thank you very much, Liana. Uh, She is at Liana Osinski, uh, L-E-A-N-N-A-O-S-I-N-S. S-K-I on Twitter. Uh, If you want to follow her work, she did a fantastic job on our graphic. Um, And yeah, I think that's about it. Um, If you are so inclined to listen to some more different types of uh, podcasts, be sure to check out my other music-related podcast, The Metalhead. That's The Metalhead. Uh, It's a meditative podcast all about metal music. Uh, My friend Gray Hayhurst and I uh, present a very low-key, very chill uh, presentation of metal music, and I'm pretty excited of producing that one and getting that one off the ground. And uh, I think that's all I've really got. I've got another one coming down the pipeline uh, that should be out by now, Uh, but it's all about copyright. Um, So if that's of interest to you, I'm planning to call it the IP address, um, and we'll see if that one gets off the ground by the time you're listening to this. So if you search the IP address, uh, hopefully you'll be able to find it. Um, Yeah. 
yeah uh follow me on socials um my primary account is uh notes reviews on twitter uh but you can also find me at um you know the uh metalhead pod for the metalhead podcast as well as Pro- prog quo i believe is the twitter handle on uh the twitters um and actually while while i'm yammering on i'm going to double check that because i i don't have myself logged in on my computer but i certainly do i believe on my phone so i'm going to double check that right now just to make sure i am in fact yeah prog quo on twitter p-r-o-g-q-u-o so you can engage with us on there as well you know if you will have any any things that you want to discuss or talk about anyway i've been yammering on for a little too long within this ad break but i know you guys enjoy it so let's go back into our episode proper find out what roy thought of uh taylor swift and what i thought about tears for fears let's dive back Okay, fresh reaction. How was that? Um, okay, about what I expected with a couple of okay. surprises, but you know. Okay, I, okay. I, you, you want me to go first? Or, or Absolutely, how, how yeah. Yeah, so you um, said that there's a few surprises, a few exceptions. Yeah, so there was some some songs that I, I had heard. The first song, Ready For It, I'd heard. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. The thing that stood out to me first on the record um uh you know liking it or not aside is the production is just yeah. stupid stupid ridiculous <laughs> like it's yeah. amazing yeah they um, were they were burning money on this album in terms of production yeah sonically it's fantastic and yeah. wouldn't surprise you to with what she i mean she can spend any time in the world on the studio the other thing that was <laughs> this is funny uh i listened to it on spotify and what the thing that I found funny was coming from where where you and I live in the prog world, um, the numbers of streams for each song <laughs> yep. was jaw dropping. Oh yeah, I mean hundreds of millions per song. Yeah, per think, song. Yeah, per song. I don't, I don't know if you put together the Dream Theater catalog if there's been a hundred million streams of of all of it together. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, that's one of the things about this that like I'm always shocked of like the sheer numbers behind these songs. Um, it just astounds me. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it works for artists like that streaming. That's a whole nother subject. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That, I mean, the numbers that they can generate once you get into that level, once you get past 10, 10 million, a hundred million, the, the, then it's, yeah, You're like printing money. The um, the the smallest number on the entire album is seven uh, seventy nine million, right? Listens, and that's yeah. the smallest number. Yeah, go look at Stephen Wilson's last <laughs> record and see if it see if it tallies seven million. Yeah. yeah. Um. So so yeah, a couple observations. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of songs uh, that I thought were were interesting that stood out. Don't blame me was was really good. Yeah. Um, I like that one. Getaway car. I thought was actually pretty good. good that little, good is, little. yeah. Sorry to cut you off, but that yeah. one is my favorite song from her discography. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good pop song there. Good chorus. Until I switch to the other side. 
I'd heard before too. Okay, yeah. Somehow, uh, it's another little funny story. So I have an eight-year-old uh, daughter, and mm-hmm. while I was listening to uh, to it, she came in to where I'm listening, and um, she heard uh, I think "King of My Heart" was playing, and she goes, "Oh, good song," and then left. The room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all right. <laughs> so, so that seems appropriate enough. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. Look, I'll say this. I mean. I could see what you were getting at with it. It is it is a little bit of a darker record. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I would say that you know obviously won't be wouldn't be something that I would listen to just on my own on purpose. Yeah, but I didn't dislike any of it except for the end game. Yeah, um, I just have a severe dislike for Ed Sheeran's music. I'm so... in the same boat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, and so that just was not great but otherwise um look i think she's a very talented songwriter the production's great there's a lot to sit there and go okay this is cool um i i would have liked a little bit more variety i think which you is know, yeah it's all once you get towards after getaway car and the last kind of it's like okay another crazy beat it, you know mm-hmm. there's a lot of focus on beats with, yes. with this and so do something outside of that, which is why so- the songs I mentioned are the I ones that stood out. That because they're not just a guy sitting there with a computer coming yeah, up with programming know, at all. Press. Yeah, um, so, and it you is know, that that's where I would say it loses me a little bit. It doesn't hit me. Prague when it's good and the stuff that I like a lot, like the album I gave you or whatever. Yeah, it has to hit me emotion emotionally somehow. Right. Yeah, that's where it really gets me. Mm-hmm. And this kind of music doesn't do that for me. That's fair. And I know that was a ma- massive criticism on this album was it didn't connect with her audience or the audience in general. Um, I know a lot of people aren't a huge fan of this album um, because a lot of the other ones like this one is very personal, but most people can't really connect with the concept of how does fame alter your reputation it's like well the lame man doesn't have that issue to deal with um it is interesting that you comment about like all the different beats because this was the album that has the most of that um all the other ones generally have the rhythm section be either the guitars or violins or some other aspect of it this is the one where she really went heavy into the i call it like the big machine beats where it's a producer behind the the mixing board that's creating all the beats for people to sing over top yeah. of. Yes, it's stuff like that, like, you know, totally be throwing this out there, being ignorant, but I would feel like it would be like something Beyonce would, would do or, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, and you can throw money at producers to, you know, write the catchiest of catchy beats in that sense. Um, and I do know one of the things that I, I go to for Taylor Swift is that she comes to the studio with the idea first and so all of these are her songs um and then the studio helps her to realize it um yeah which sometimes is like the reverse to usually what happens like the studio or the producers will come to the artist with a song and then the artist helps fill it out um at least within i always wonder what an artist like a taylor swift or a 
a Chris Martin or one of these guys like that, what would they think of? Because I, I feel like they live in a world where the music we listen to regularly, they don't even know of its existence. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And maybe it's naive, but I wonder what they would think about Pan Cannot Erase or something. Yeah. You know, would that be like, whoa, you know, like, <laughs> I don't hear music like this, you know? Yeah. Um, and that the was stuff that we think is groundbreaking amazing mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um yeah so I, yeah i i was I, I always feel like um you know does has dave Grohl heard dream theater and does he think that's good drumming i was gonna say i, I think you know. out of all of them dave Grohl 100 percent has heard dream theater because of the plethora of music that he uh digests and consumes um i don't think taylor swift has um not see a the closest, yeah, the closest <laughs> that we've come to was when uh, S- Steve Wilson uh, did a cover of hers. That's right. Um, and I think that's yeah, the closest. So maybe that drove her to check, check that cover out. Who maybe, knows? maybe. It, it, I found it very interesting late last year when they when she redid her Red album to regain the rights for all the songs. Um, she included the original 10-minute version of one of her songs on the album. And everybody's like, oh, she's changing the game with nobody's heard a 10 minute song before. <laughs> I read the same thing. And I'm so like, funny. are you guys, this is the same conversation we had when Green Day put American Idiot out and had nine minute songs on. Like, yes, long songs do exist. Yeah, it um, can be done. It's it not can terrible. be done. Yeah. And yeah. for the longest time, I thought, oh, we're never going to have long songs be in the public eye again. But Lana Del Rey put out one with her Norman fucking Rockwell album. And I think she has like a nine minute track off of that album. And now Taylor Swift with this album and even Coldplay put out an album last year that had a 10 minute track on. That's a great song. I love that. So it's, it's starting to happen. I think they're starting to get across. I think a lot of these artists have realized that, okay, I can get any song is going to get a hundred million streams. I, I can do whatever I want. So yeah. well, whatever, I'll just do whatever I want. I mean, that's, that's the, that's great freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've talked about this before in some of my videos, but um, because artists aren't being pressured to write for the radio, they're being pressured to write for the internet. There right. is this conscious shift between those smaller chunk tracks that had to be played on the radio versus things that people can just watch at their leisure. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Totally. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm glad you didn't like actively dishate it um, or dislike it rather. <laughs> dishate. That's dishate. <laughs> um, I will agree. Um, there are a few tracks on here that I could kind of take or leave, but um, like first uh, that for instance, Endgame. I'm not a big fan of Endgame. I think it's the weakest track off of it. Um, the other one is gorgeous. I just can't something about gorgeous that I don't really like. Uh, it might just yeah. be the contrast because getaway car is the next track off of there. Um, and it's interesting. I love all of the interpretations and covers of look what you made me do more than the original. You know, I do, I do kind of like that song because rhythmically I think it's interesting mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. production wise. I think it's an interesting track. Yeah. Um, but it is funny because the album that came out right after this one, because um, what, this one came out in 2017. 
So the album that came out in 2019 uh, was the complete opposite of this. It was happy. It was sunny. It was bright. um, A lot more stripped down in terms of production. There wasn't like this emphasis on beats, but it's also one of her longest albums. And I think that's to the detriment of it. Um, But yeah, I'm still glad that you enjoyed it. Hey, why not? (laughs) So Uh, tell me about the uh, Tears for Fears. Yeah, overall, I really liked it. Um, I'm not as familiar with this music style. So I'm, you know, this is one of the reasons why I started this podcast was to get introduced to as many musical expressions as I could. Um, My... I, I can see what you mean when you say that this is dark, it's sharp, it's very intellectual. Um, it's almost, um, oh, I had the word and now it's gone. Um, it's deceptively smart Yeah, is what I would definitely say. Like upon, you know, first look at first glance, I'm like, okay, these are just really fun, subtle, dark um, pop songs. But the more I'm listening to it, I'm like, oh, this has a very like Peter Gabriel rhythm on it with uh, Rivers yeah, of Mercy. Peter Gabriel's a good uh, you know? comparison. Yeah. Um, but I'm also in terms of like the legacy of this band, because this is the first time I've ever listened to Tears for Fears. That's amazing. Uh, I know. I've just never been exposed to it. Um, we all have our cultural blind spots, yeah. but I can see where uh, an artist like Stephen Wilson has shifted to try to emulate the sounds like his last two albums to the bone and the future bites i could see this was the style of music he was trying to capture on those albums i've said that i've when this came out i said this is what this is what he was trying to make with the future bites that's Mm -hmm. exactly what i felt felt yeah um and i can i 100 see that in tracks like my demons and the bleak man being darker but with a lot more groove to it um an emphasis but not a obsession with beats i think is a a really good starting point for a lot of those like especially with my demons where it's um very groovy very driven very catchy but not to the point where it's like bubblegum pop or repetitive Grinding the bones, breathing the dust You're not one of you, you're not one of us One of the judges, you're one of the judges They don't do cheese. No, no. Even with like a stare, it's subtle. Yeah. Like even some of the more, I would say, maybe quote unquote, popular tracks, which some of the lyrics I'm like, "Mm, okay, I'm not quite sure about that. Um, Like, please be happy. Um, What was the other one that I made a note for? Um, Well, there's some stories there we didn't really get into, but. Oh, okay. Uh, so the main guy, Roland, well, they're, they're a duo, but I mean, the, he, the guy that did most of the writing, Roland Orzabal, and usually does most of the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so his wife went through a real bad, uh, depression and alcohol battle okay. and died, uh, mm. before the making of this record and which oh, is what prompted them to write a few of the songs. Like the tipping point itself is about that. And okay. then please be happy is about that. And 
So there okay. is some weight to it when you when you know that going in. That's mm-hmm. where those things come from. Yeah, and thinking about the tipping point, um, this was the moment where I'm like, okay, these guys have a huge attention to detail in terms of like the mixing, the production of this album because of all the smaller sounds that are found mm-hmm. on here. Like, if I were just to sit down and listen to this on like the radio or in passing. I would have missed probably about 75% of the actual song that was going on. Yeah, totally. Because, because of all the smaller moments on here um, that really helped to not only pad the song, but like lift it up. Um, And I think my, I just made a a handful of notes. I think my favorite tracks on here are long, long, long time. Um, Because even though, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I know I'm this is my first trip into this band. Uh, they were founded in like the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find 80, maybe 80 even. Okay, like so pretty early. Um, even though these, um, I find a lot of these bands that have established themselves in like the 70s and 80s that are coming back now, half the time when they're putting out albums in today's world they feel dated they don't feel all that fresh or new um with a track like long 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 time it felt very modern like it Mm. felt like very now and i applaud a band with this type of a legacy behind them to be able to grab onto the spirit of today and do it with such a success that it feels like it's from music for today well one of the other stories about it is that the they decided to they were going to work on a new album and their management and label at the time and everything said okay well we got to get you with all these producers um, like almost let's say like what Taylor Swift was assigned with for reputation right and so they did all these writing sessions with and had almost an album and then they hated it okay they said it's it's not what we would do it just mm-hmm. it's these kids interpretation of what tears for fears should sound like right making an album in 2020 mm-hmm. and so they scrapped it they said they kept like maybe three or four ideas from there or whatever and then wrote the album after that themselves ah. so i kind of think that's cool you know absolutely and, I, and I, I also like that too if you're gonna come back and do an album you're obviously old you're not gonna get a number one hit at this point you're mm-hmm. 60 or whatever make an album that's honest exactly yeah you know? make the album you want to listen to because chances are that's what your audience wants to hear as well right that's right and yeah. so that's what i think when i heard it being a fan is a different perspective than listening to it for the first time mm-hmm. but being a fan i was like it was stunning how good and tears for fearsy it was Mm-hmm. I was yeah. so pleased. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? When Absolutely. That, when that happens. Yeah. yeah. I can see this being a very satisfying album for Tears for Fears fans. Um, and like my, I love how this album goes out with a really strong performance of uh, Master Plan and End of Night. Like both of these tracks are Master really. Master Plan is my favorite on the album. Yeah. They're, they're huge. Um, and I love the way that Master Plan builds. Um, the note that I have on it is I love how it blossoms, um, because, you know, you see all the components there at the beginning and it's how the components build themselves into the end game of the actual track. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. That's that's my favorite song. That and and Rivers of Mercy would be my my two mm. favorites that I keep going back to a lot. Yeah. Rivers of Mercy has that what I'm talking about, that kind of emotional mm-hmm. heaviness to it that's just like Yeah. Just fantastic. Yeah, like uh for Rivers of Mercy and maybe it's just because of where my mind was. It just I kept hearing and seeing Peter Gabriel's Mercy Street on it. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah. Uh, so yeah, overall, this was a fantastic album. Um, it felt very now, and I like this would be an album that I would listen to to really anchor myself for the current time, uh, like where I am. Uh, this is kind of the album that I listen to kind of on repeat, just to kind of like milk all the sounds out of, and then put it on the shelf, not listen to it for about six or seven months, and then yeah. revisit it just to get myself back into where I was at that point. Yeah, I mean, there. I think maybe you can see though how a prog fan can kind of like this band, and mm-hmm. because of you're seeing it, like the the subtle intricacies in there of of the of yet it's a simple pop song. Yeah, and so it's it's not repetitive. It's not two notes. It's not like whatever bores you as a prog fan. Mm-hmm. They find a way to streamline it and make it still cool. Now, if you want their prog record, if you really <laughs> want to listen to them a little bit more. Absolutely. I'm going to write it down. The Seeds of Love is their prog record. Seeds it's of... eight tracks. Most of them are six or seven minutes. They okay. have 100,000 guests. Phil Collins plays on it. Simon Ooh. Phillips plays on it. Manu Kache right. plays on it. Everyone plays on it. And um, every you'll hear it. It's that's the album they made immediately after Songs for the Big Chair, which had Songs for the Big Chair had Everybody Wants to Rule the World and Shout and Head Over the All the Big hits. Tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they went from that and went, okay, now we can do whatever we want. <laughs> and yep. they literally and Roland again, he did whatever he wanted and just threw everything in the kitchen sink into that Ooh. record, and. Uh, it's awesome. There's a song on there called Bad Man Song, which is tremendous. So okay. I highly recommend that one. That's a that is probably most prog fans. That's their that's the album. Mm-hmm. Um, I like every album they did. I think each one has its own personality. They don't repeat themselves. Um, but knowing what we like, I would say yeah. at least that album. If you're gonna bother to check out any more, I would. I would highly recommend uh, that one. The Seeds of Love. All right. I'll have to check it out. Um, and on that note, thank you so much, Roy, for coming on and uh, sharing some Pleasure, music man. It was with fun. Me. Good to talk to you. Yeah, this was great. Uh, you know, I like what you do, although I got a bone to pick with you. Okay. Bring it out. Jonas Lindbergh. Come on, I'm man. sorry. I'm so sorry. I knew, <laughs> I knew when I, I was expecting an email from you when I put out that review because you had talked it up. You were one of the people that are like, you're going to love this album. It's going to be great. I listened to it. Uh, and I'm like, I'm such a fan of that record. And I, was I so bummed. I understand. And I, I see that I'm in the minority and I'm very happy for that because I much rather see somebody get praised than get tarnished. Um, it's just, it wasn't for me. I don't know. Fair enough. No, no, that's know. all good, man. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, was there anything you wanted to promote? <laughs> anything you wanted to let everybody know about? Um, no, uh, man, I don't know. Just check out progreport.com. I don't know if, if we're allowed to promote other things on Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Uh, this, is, this is your moment do, to uh, pump. We do other type of podcasts. We, you know, if you want to check some other stuff out, um, yeah. a lot of top five things and 
Uh, we like to bring artists themselves on and have them list out their favorites from their albums and songs. Oh, and whenever right we get on. to do that kind of stuff, that's a lot of fun. So we just did one with Michael Romeo from Symphony X, where he mm-hmm. talks about his favorite Symphony X songs and you know oh, that perfect. kind of stuff. So we like to do some of that stuff and and do do a few different things that way. So and uh, right on. yeah, man, good and talking to you. And that's Pleasure. all on the Prog Report. Yep. Awesome. So go and check that out. Thanks for coming out, chatting about some music with me. It's been a great time. Yeah, man. All right. Take it easy. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right. I'm jumping in just at the end as I realized I didn't cap off the uh, episode proper with uh, my usual send off. So I want to give another huge thank you to Roy. Uh, It's almost a full year since we recorded that. So um, yeah, I went back and I re-listened to the Tears for Fears and you know what? It still holds up. It still holds up. Uh, So yeah, I want to give a huge shout out to Roy. Go check him out as well as the Prog Report. Uh, They have a YouTube channel. They have a website. They have a podcast. It's all great stuff if you're like me and you love Prog. Um, so yeah, great stuff. Great stuff. And I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you all for diving in for season two. Hope you are enjoying it. Uh, catch us next month. We're excited to release another, a new episode very, very soon. Um, but until then, I want to thank you all for listening and, uh, just keep sharing music, everybody. Bye.